Welcome to the Resource Podcast. SOURCE stands for Serving Our Upstate Region Community Entrepreneurs. I'm Jeff Wilson, and I'll be your host each week as I sit down with successful entrepreneurs from here in the upstate of South Carolina, giving them an opportunity to share their journey with you and their successes. In this episode, I speak with Bill West of Ellipsis Technologies. Bill talks about moving to Greenville to run a company with a two-year stay expectation, and he has never left. I asked him about raising money, and he said that that first round should really be friends and families so that you can test your company concept. We talked about the importance of employee equity, and he suggests trying to consider as many people as possible within the organization so that you're aligned with your shareholders. Take a listen to today's episode. Bill West with Ellipsis Technologies. Hello, Bill. Hello. How are you doing, Jeff? I am great. I'm great. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast. Glad to be here. Yep. Happy to have you. I always kick these podcasts off giving my guests an opportunity to provide the value proposition for their company, just so our listeners, as they get into learning more about your journey and your story, they, they understand how the value proposition is a part of that. Sure. Uh, well, this current company is Ellipsis Technologies. We're headquartered here uh, in Greenville. Uh, and uh, it came about uh, a few years ago when a friend of mine who had an e-commerce company uh, was telling me that his wife had taken his reading glasses with her to go shopping. Okay. And he just spent a half hour trying to buy something from his own company. <laughs> And he couldn't pass the little captcha, you know, the squiggly little letters. So uh, uh, the next day we looked at his data and we found out that almost 5% of people left his site before they even tried. Hmm. And about 30% were failing on the first attempt. So he said, I spend a fortune getting these people to my site. And I'm losing them for something dumb like this. So. Um, so I originally looked for an alternative for them, and it's they're worse to complete the puzzle, complete the game. Which picture has a squirrel in it? You know, it was incredible. So we uh, uh, we have a methodology where we collect as someone just browsing through a uh, a website, we collect the timing and movement behavioral events, the length of a keystroke down, length of a keystroke up, time between keystrokes, mouse movements, touches, swipes, everything. Uh, 53 measurements we collect, and then we built machine learning algorithms, and we can detect now whether that site visitor is a human. And so where all other methodologies are trying to uh, see if you're a bot, we're trying to see if you're a human, and we just assume if you're not a human, you're suspicious. And so, um, and it's totally invisible. So nobody has to take a test. Nobody has to respond to anything. And uh, it's totally invisible behind the scenes. So, uh, you know, convert, sales conversions go up massively uh, and uh, uh, customer frustration goes down massively. And uh, so that's who we were out there selling. And we sell it to uh, uh, large corporations if they want. But where we really got an inroad is we sell as an app on uh, e-commerce sites, uh, e-commerce platforms. So okay. we're an app on Shopify, uh, mm-hmm. we're an app on WordPress and WooCommerce, uh, Drupal, Magento. Uh, we have integrations with hosting companies where if you get hosting, you can get this. Uh, integrations with form builders where we're just uh, part of their product. So uh, a lot of different channels of distribution, very different from I think what, uh, what you were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. You know, traditional sales going after a list of people and making cold calls and respond RFPs and demos and yep. that. We don't 
we don't speak to probably 95% of our customers. Wow. Uh, they just buy it, you know. Um, my my kids have never spoken to anybody from Angry Birds, for example. So it's kind of, <laughs> kind of similar. Uh, very similar. Very similar. Th- thanks for sharing that. Um, what I'm interested in learning about is your entrepreneurial itch. If, if you've uh, listened to the podcast, I ask everybody about that. I remember mine when I was younger, uh, 10 years old. Uh, but can you, can you think back to a distinct date and time when you had an entrepreneurial itch? You're like, mm, I got to scratch this. I've got to, I've got to create something. I've got to build something. Yeah, I think I had it my whole life. My, okay. my dad was an entrepreneur. Okay. And he owned a company that made um, uh, educational films, um, uh, industrial commercials, television commercials. Uh, he published educational textbooks. Uh, and he was located in Princeton, uh, New Jersey. Uh, so I always watched him and how he built the company and how he was managing cash flow and how he raised money and all that. And so I always thought that that was going to be my path. Uh, but then I went to college and then got an MBA and then got traditional job. I spent 10 years at AT&T okay. and did well and uh, was recruited out of there to be president of a, a telecommunications company. And uh, that was entrepreneurial. Okay. So uh, I said, all right, this is what I want to do. We sold that company to Toshiba, which was a wonderful thing. And then I came down here to um, work. Uh, be president of a paging company, Beepers, if you remember them. Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, we that was here in Greenville, and uh, that was a long time ago, and I'm still here. <laughs> but we built the paging company up, um, and I we, that was truly, truly entrepreneurial all of a sudden. Uh, and uh, we got some good, so we're raising money, getting investors, building it out, doing acquisitions of other paging companies, and we wound up being about fifth largest in the nation, and we had wow. significant market share in the entire Southeast. Uh, but then paging, as you may have noticed, started to go away. Uh, so uh, uh, the New York bankers approached us, and we borrowed a, a, a more money. I went gray in 18 months after this. <laughs> uh, we borrowed more money than I ever would have dreamed. And uh, we bought two-way radio licenses, taxis, ambulances throughout the Southeast uh, because Nextel needed those licenses for a nationwide footprint. Okay. So um, uh, it worked, but it took a few years. And that was pretty agonizing. If they don't want to buy this, we have a lot of debt and we have a lot of, <laughs> lot of ambulance uh, radios. So, uh, uh, but fortunately, they, they bought the whole thing. I hope you're enjoying this episode of the Resource Podcast. You can find a full listing of my other episodes on my website, www.jeffwilsonsc.com. That's www.jeffwilson, the letters sc.com or your preferred podcasting platform. So is it safe for me to label you as a serial entrepreneur? Yeah. I mean, it's very close to insanity, but yes, <laughs> sure. I had, I had one podcast uh, guest. I was talking about the entrepreneurial journey, and we, we determined that his was not so much a journey as it was an odyssey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you never. It's you can't go back. Yes. Uh, yes. You know, you you like running the company and making your own decisions, and and you know, a lot of decisions are bad ones too. But you you have no one to blame but yourself. So. That's true. That's true. You, you talked about moving to Greenville. So, 
talk to us about um, the, the majority of my listeners are, are from the upstate here. So talk to us about moving to Greenville and what that's meant to you both professionally and personally. Well, Greenville has changed dramatically since I got here in uh, January of 1989. Uh, all for the good, though. I mean, wonderfully. Uh, we lived in Simpsonville for the first 12 years, and that was just emerging. Uh, Woodruff Road got a little crazy over that period of time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, we moved downtown about 19 years ago, and um, uh, we love it downtown. We're very active. It's just a wonderful town. Changed dramatically, as you recall. Yes. Going over the bridge past the Peace Center was an adventure at yes. one time. Yes, and, um, yes. You know what Knox White and the city council has done with this town is spectacular. Really is, really is. You talked about as a part of your entrepreneurial itch story and your journey about raising money. So, a lot of our listeners who are at various stages of of their company and, and growing their company, some of them are at that crossroads and and in that consideration of raising money, talk, talking to private equity firms, uh, venture capitalists. What, what type of advice, having, having been there, having gone through that process, what type of advice would you give our listeners? Um, money raising, the first round of financing is going to typically be friends and family, okay. I, I think. And, uh, you know, just to get going and prove your concept and prove that it's a real business. Um, I think uh, if you go out with just an idea, uh, the professional investment community, the venture capitals, um, they're going to really cram you down on valuation. And so uh, uh, you can maintain a healthy va valuation, maintain some equity for the uh, founders uh, by getting a friends and family around just to prove everything. Okay. Um, you know, I think there's, I, I read somewhere that uh, raising a lot of money buys you time to prove things, but it doesn't guarantee you're going to execute properly. Okay. So. Uh, you know, the wiser path, I think, is to take a little bit of money, bootstrap it, and experiment with different uh, methods of distribution, methods of sales. And then with the things that work, then you have a really solid story to go out to private equity firms and okay. say, we've done these things and they work. We've also done these 17 things that didn't work. Right, but we right. threw those away. So um, that's just the advice I have, and I think it, it works. But you're not going to own much at a company if you raise a ton of money at the beginning with sure. no revenue. And sure. Understood. Understood on that. In your entrepreneurial journey, talk to us about the importance and value of having mentors and or being a mentor. Yeah, I've had a number of people, uh, you know, not officially mentors. They're just friends. I mm -hmm. mean, uh, I had... Um, uh, a very good friend from AT&T that I probably spoke with every three months uh, my whole career about everything. Uh, I've had other mentors along the way, uh, investors in our company who turned out to be wonderful, um, just advice and counsel, I, you know, advisors that I've had over the years. I usually keep a formal advisory board, too, of people I can trust and, and talk to and ask questions and ask anything and, and just tell them. You know, if you're the CEO of a company, typically you have to keep the happy face on all the time. Sure. But there are some people I like that I can go to and say, hey, I I don't know what we're doing right here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was that a formal process? I have a lot of guests that speak to the ones who are involved in a, in a peer advisory group. They, they speak to the importance of the formality of meeting on a 
bi-monthly basis, monthly basis, you know, dinners, whatever, just to process issues, to bounce ideas off of each other. And as I like to say, have your questions answered and your answers questioned. Mm-hmm. Was, was yours more that formal process? No, not okay. at all. Okay. I, I call them individually. Uh, they're, they know their advisors. I have them listed as advisors. Right. Uh, I give them a, you know, a small percentage of stock just to, to be available for questions and conversations. Gotcha. And, yeah, introductions. Gotcha. gotcha. In one article that I read about you, I picked up the, the fact you were talking about uh, employee equity. And, and you, you, you feel some importance around that. Talk, talk to us about that. Yeah, I, I feel very strongly about that, that the uh, management team, if not everyone, should have equity in the company uh, so that we're all exactly aligned with the shareholders, that um, uh, everybody makes less than market rate as a salary and uh, is overcompensated if, if the, six, if the uh, shareholders are successful. So we're all exactly aligned with the shareholders. I think that's hugely important in an entrepreneurial. It's not just a job uh, at that point. It's, you know, I need this thing to be successful. And if they're working on a project that isn't working, they'll be the first to tell you, we need to drop this and do this differently. Right. Because they're they're getting not only the value of of the day-to-day business, the career, but in the equity in that. So they're they're certainly making a decision because they have some ownership in it. Right. The ultimate valuation is going to be based on revenue and cash flow. And if they're wasting money, then cash flow is going to be unnecessarily impacted and their value goes down. Their share stock value goes down. Right. Hello, audience. When I'm not doing this podcast, my day job is serving as chair for C12 Business Forums here in the upstate of South Carolina. C12 is a faith-driven business forum that provides monthly interactions with a peer group and one-on-one meetings with me for coaching and accountability. These meetings allow for members to have their issues processed, their questions answered, and their answers questioned. Check out my website at jeffwilsonsc.com. That's Jeff Wilson, the letters sc.com, for more information about this organization. How does that blend into the cultures that you have built? Have you have you been able to take a look at a culture where maybe employee equity uh, didn't exist or maybe was not as widespread and, and kind of compared the two? Well, I spent 10 years at AT&T, and um, you're compensated very, very well. But, uh, you know, if, if all your kids get into extraordinary colleges, you could work there 30 years and pay tuitions and have about 90 bucks left over. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. What about cultures that you've built at, at, at the companies that you've, you've led and started? Just talk to me about the importance of, of, of that company culture and getting that buy-in. Yeah, it's, I think everybody, it, it requires less and less. Uh, when you have an all-salaried group like AT&T, you had a lot of cultural events, get-togethers, honor recognition awards, all that kind of stuff, employee newsletters with life stories of everybody, a lot of stuff that's promoting people. When everybody has their eye on the goal of an exit, mm-hmm. I've found that they don't necessarily want to go to away for a day picnic. Sure. 
You know, let's keep going with this. The the other part of that that I think has been interesting is with COVID Mm -hmm. has even accelerated that. Okay. Because um, prior to COVID, when everybody was in an office, uh, and I know it's a contrarian position to what a lot of people are thinking, but uh, when something crucial would come up at 4.30, people would typically say, well, I'll handle that first thing in the morning. Okay. And that was a perfectly fine answer. Now the answer is typically, well, the kids go to bed at 8.30. I'll get on that tonight. It's a different world altogether. Absolutely. There's no work day anymore. There's no weekends anymore. People do three, four hours on Saturday, three, four hours. It didn't exist prior to COVID. So it's been very, very interesting. Yeah. There's good and bad to that, right? Uh, Yeah. Well, the other side of it is, which is interesting as well. Mm -hmm. Well, they say, well, you know, I'll work on it tonight, and they may work till 1 a.m. trying to get this project done. The other side of it is, on a Wednesday, they may say, well, I'm not available from noon to four. I'm going to go bike riding and hiking with the kids. So, yep, that's the other side of it. Yep. So, I, I, so the formal nine to five workday really is going away f- from people who are working remotely. Yes, I, I spent some time <clears throat> in an organization in a VP of Sales and Marketing leadership role uh, after I left. COVID happened. Still going on, of course, but. I had conversations with executive leadership in that company, and they said, Jeff, it's amazing, especially with our programmers. You know, we're, we're monitoring their work, and they're not coming in the office, and they're, they're getting 20% more done yeah. than when they weren't in the office. And it didn't surprise me because I, I think back to just, you know, a large corporate mentality that they're – there's a lot of wasted time. <laughs> there is. There <laughs> Sometimes. Is. And, so. and to your point, what, last year, the COVID year, uh, our revenues went up 145%. Wow. So we were, that's a lot of what we said this year. Why, we, why do we want to change anything? Absolutely. It's working pretty, pretty well. Absolutely. The other thing, um, when we, and this is not great for uh, Greenville, I guess, but when we would look to fill a spot, let's say a customer service rep or something like that, a technical customer service rep, we would look in Greenville and interview people and get an office space for them and pay them a monthly salary. With COVID, people were really not interested in being in an office. So we looked elsewhere and we found a group, our customer service, and it's all email and chat, is out of Kenya. Now. Okay. And Kenya is English speaking, uh, Ten years ago, they said this computer thing could catch on, <laughs> and everybody in the, if you go to college, you study computer science. Everybody has to take some, okay. and uh, a lot of people major in it. So we have guys with bachelor's degree in uh, computer science. The supervisor has a master's, wow. and, it, and it's a fraction of the cost. Wow, wow, that's fantastic. So I don't think we would have looked at that sure. prior, prior to COVID. Sure, sure. Talk to me about in your leadership roles of whether it's Ellipsis Technologies or other companies, um, the importance of, of community involvement as, as an executive and owner and a leader. Yeah, I'm, I got involved uh, more so here. I mean, New Jersey, New York is kind of, uh, you know, the varsity is involved with a lot of community <laughs> stuff. Uh, but uh, there's more opportunities here, especially after I sold the company. I was chairman of the Greenville Zoo Foundation for six years here. Right. And, um, uh, and there's a place where I, uh, you know, there's our city employees, the, the zoo people, but they are the most dedicated group of people I have ever seen in my life. Yes. 
So that's great. And uh, I have to point out, you and I both live near the zoo, so the the howling monkeys just they crack me up. You know, when I'm out for a bike or a run, it always <laughs> when they get going. When we have visitors from out of town uh, sitting on the porch and they hear it, they're always, "What is that?" Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, so I'm I'm very big on acronyms. Okay, my podcast resource stands for Serving Our Upstate Region Community Entrepreneurs. Okay. Yeah. I have an acronym for you. I ask all of my guests this, and that is, what is your Wiccan Wicked? Okay, W-I-K-N, W-I-K-T. That stands for what I know now, wish I knew then. So the 2021 Bill West is having a conversation with the young, budding, soon-to-be serial entrepreneur Bill West. You're having a cup of coffee. How does that conversation go? Yeah, I guess um, when you're thinking of being an entrepreneur, it's frightening at times because you're giving up a guaranteed salary. Uh, you kind of know what the trajectory is. If I do this, I get promoted and I get, you, know, you kind of have a path that's known. Uh, with entrepreneurism, you really don't know the path. Um, also, if you make a mistake in a company, it's just a blot on your record. Uh, here, you have to convince yourself that the uh, mistake wasn't fatal. You know, it didn't mm-hmm. kill the company, mm-hmm. and, and you just move on. So uh, I think just uh, uh, weather the mistakes and fix them and, uh, and move on and uh, do more of the things that work is what we do every day in the yeah. company. And that's where, I think I said earlier, with marketing and some other things, we experiment with little bites of it, where if you raise a lot of money, you might say, we're going to put a million dollars into social media marketing. Okay. Well, we experiment with different types of social media marketing, sure. saying, this one works, these three don't, let's do more of this one. So a lot, a lot of a lot of testing goes into where you're putting your resources to, to see, uh, see the abs- impact. Absolutely. Small bites and, and see if it works. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Good advice as well. So, well, Bill, I want to say thank you again for being on the podcast. Um, I know you've seen me over here take some notes while we're while we're chatting. I know that our listeners are going to have a lot of great takeaways as well. So, thanks again. Thank you very much. Good. To- take care. Enjoy it.